Hey, everybody, Chad Burmeister, CEO of ScaleX.ai and the AI for Sales Expert on the Sales Experts channel. I've got two guests with me today, so I hope that's okay uh, for the Sales Experts channel and for the C-Suite podcast. Uh, very important people here today with me. So, Sushi Perumal, I always, Sushi, how do I say your last name? Sushi Perumal. Perumal, just like, yeah. like it reads, right? It just so, rolls off your tongue. <laughs> it rolls off your tongue. It's kind of like Burmeister as the last name. <laughs> so, Sushi is the CEO of Max Sold. And I found out recently that he's been there for 10 years. So it's one of the fastest growing startups uh, that, that's around. And what an amazing company. We're going to dig into this in a minute. And I've got Nick Cavuto. Nick recently joined ScaleX as the chief marketing officer. So we've got a combination of sales experts and marketing experts here today. And we're going to bring it all together and talk about how does marketing play with sales with the AI thread down the middle. So, Sushi, Nick, welcome to the call. Great, Thanks great so much, to be Chad. here, Chad. Appreciate it, man. All right, so let, let's start. Yeah. Max sold, I think it was two years ago at B2BMX. Um, I remember I was an attendee. You, often I speak at these kinds of events. This time I was an attendee because it's a marketing-led conference. And usually I'm at all the sales conferences and not the marketing conferences. So I thought, ah, I better go see what's going on on the other side of the, of the fence here. So I go, to, I go to Scottsdale, Arizona, and I remember on the last day, I think it was the last day, I went yeah. into their web app, and I looked through a bunch of the attendees. I said, who would be interesting people to meet? And it turned out 80% of the folks were interesting people to meet. So I started copying and pasting a message saying, hey, if you'd like to meet while you're here, I've got some books, sales hack. I'd love to meet with you for 10 minutes. So Sushi was one of the takers. We met and hit it off and found out that Sushi is far advanced on all things sales and marketing. So that's kind of where it started. And since then, Sushi's implemented almost every AI for sales technology that I come up with. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely go, my back. connection is unstable. Yeah. So I'm glad to be back. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, that um, you were saying how amazing it was. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're amazing. You've implemented almost every single AI for sales tech that that we've brought yeah, to and, and you were an unusual person at that conference, a hundred percent, because because you, uh, you know, the like I was with Alex, um, you know, a colleague, and we were trying to crack this nut on on um, on world domination, right? We were saying. Oh my God! Like we had, we have created a bottleneck here. We are generating leads left, right, and center, and we don't have enough salespeople to put on this problem. And that's when your message popped up saying AI for sales. I'm like, like duh! Like you know, we live in an era that's AI powered. That's you know, that has so much potential with technology. Why don't we apply it to sales? And and that's how we that's how you caught my attention, Chad, and that's how we connected. And since then, you know, the, it's a it's a different world we live in. It's I a different world it. I live so in. Let, let's rewind the uh, tape, right? It started with you're putting money to work on Facebook and different ad sources, yeah. and you've got a chat bot on your website, and and like you said, you're generating more lead volume than you could handle. So. Yeah. 
the first thing that we implemented together was agent-assisted dialing, which is a form right. of AI augmentation to yeah. enable a salesperson to have 10 to 20 times more conversations per day than they would otherwise. Right. Um, how did you know? How did you find that that enabled your team to have more conversations and convert at a higher level? What What was the end result of that implementation for uh, you know the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, I'd created all these beautiful graphs when, and I think I've shared some of them with you. And and what it really did is it created um, a sales um, flow discipline where where you can't avoid talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like if you pick up the phone, it's just going to give you conversations one after the other. And and that is extremely unusual for a salesperson to experience. And if there are any inefficiencies or any reluctance to speak to people, you find out in like like that. Like within an hour, like you've burnt that person out because they're not ready for this job and in sales because they're not just hiding behind the phone, hiding behind the dials and all of these fake metrics that don't result in conversations that lead to sales. Mm, yeah. um, you know, so maybe I'll, I'll, um, I'll cut over again. So basically, you know, the, 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 you know, when, when you want to try to uncover weaknesses, you'd want to double the inputs or like 10 X inputs if you're really brave and what then happens is it exposes a bunch of things that that um, are bottlenecks in your process and flow. And for us, it happened to be we exposed a massive weakness in our ability to handle the leads that that were coming in, and and we were able to resolve that with Scalex. Mm. So think about that was part one, right? Lead flow. Yeah. How do we call the leads quickly and frequently to convert at a higher level? Right. Part two was, okay, now that we've done some inbound lead follow-up more effectively, let's go for the partner channel. And so I think the, the next thing, if I recall correctly, is that when we launched that calling into partners, traditionally, Maxold would say, hey, if you guys can you know, bring a couple customers our way, that'd be great. There was no contractual terms to a commitment of any sort. Right. So I think when we started going at scale there, we discovered, oh, well, what if we put a one pager that at least it maybe it doesn't commit them to 10 moves a month, but it right. at least commits them to we think we can bring 10 moves a month to Maxold. Right. How did that process work out? Did we get that bottleneck removed or we or did. Oh, absolutely. And and also it, you know, if they have if anybody has an hesitation to sign a soft commitment that all it is is like an agreement, a handshake, um, you know, that that really makes like makes sure that um, there is there is some sort of like engagement or commitment so that the salesperson isn't hiding behind, I've got these incredible conversations, like money's gonna to start to flow. We're like, you know, where is where's the Where's the proof, right? Like, and this, you know, th that really helped. Like, you know, right now, if anybody asks. Yes, because then you say, send it to the CSM, right? And so exactly. what you're doing is pushing the sale a little further downstream. And now the CSM has to say, well, you didn't really sign anything. And uh, are you really going to do the moves through us? But as long, if right. you have that piece of paper that says, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can yeah. get it in. And therefore, right. 
when you yeah. do get to 10, you'll get X percent discount or other value add by being part of the VIP program. Right. Well, we are in the process of signing a, a, a million dollar soft commitment. And, and really, like, you know, it should be a $4 million deal, but I'm just, you know, saying, okay, let's just aim for a million. And, and that's when you uncover some of the hidden objections as well. They're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, how does this work? How does that work? Like, you know, what are the steps we can do? Like, you know, what's the kind of buy-in we need? So it also helps with that regard. It's like the, you know, it, it makes sure that there is, there is some level, you know, we're not asking them to put money down. All we are saying is, here is here's what we are going to give to you, like a break on this commissions, um, you know, some extra things that you would value that doesn't cost much to us. Um, but um, but we need some sort of a thing other than, sure, sounds good, send me some information, <laughs> which, right, which salespeople right. love to hear, right? Not. <laughs> well, it's like when Nick, um, when Nick joined the business and said, hey, I'm going to need about $3,000 a month in paid ad spend. Yeah. And I didn't sign a contract that says that, uh, but it's documented in our process. And so it's like without that, you know, Nick loses his superpower. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> so I think it's a similar thing, right? He gave me, he had me sign a soft commit. And now I'm at least, it's in my line item and in my budget to do it nice. that way versus, yeah, this sounds great. Send me the brochure. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. Same yeah, it, it, it does. You know, it is a good concept because we all, um, you know, nine out of 10 times, we, you know, we don't, we don't listen to what's being said. Um, we don't listen to what's being said. We don't, we don't, um, we interpret things a different way. And that's why, like, when you go into hostage negotiations, not that I've ever been in one, um, you have five people whose sole job, up to five people's sole job, is to just listen, read between the lines, like, you know, come up, like, you know, look at the tone of voice, look at the inflections, look at the body language, um, you know, because we, we you know, we, we all have these internal conversations that go on as we are hearing and, you know, speaking and, you know, so it's, it's completely novel for, for us not being good listeners and we have ways to overcome it and a really good tool is a soft commitment. Yeah, love it. Okay, so Nick's, Nick's one of those guys right now, right? He's the one of five hostage negotiators listening to this conversation. <laughs> right. So, so I'm going to tee up a lob ball that Nick can jump in on. Um, you both have spent considerable amounts of time, money, resource, and expertise in Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, other ad sources to where I've spent this much time. And so I have to believe that both of you have experienced a situation where you put money in and then the downstream effect of that money, you can see leakage, right? I can just imagine a very big pipeline with a lot of water going through it. And then, oh, we sprung a leak. Oh, we sprung another leak. Um, what's the pain and emotion of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on paid ads and then handing it off to a team that lets the water leak out of the pipeline. Oh man, uh, Nick, I'll have you. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> it's painful, right? And 
you know, this is why, like, I couldn't be a CMO or, or, oh yeah, I couldn't be a CMO or, or you know, or VP of, like, you know, to be a digital marketer or responsible solely for inbound, because it's extremely painful to see the leads being handed over. And, and I think you, you had this diagram in your book, like the salespeople accept, um, are expecting leads to be handed to them in a silver platter that's ready to convert. You know, did I not see that in your book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Operation <laughs> Silver Platter. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So silver platter, ready to convert. And those those leads are as rare as unicorns. Like nobody's gonna say, hey, let me let me you know send me a contract. I'm gonna sign it. Let's let's you know let's jump into business. Uh, tell me where to transfer the money over. Um so that's, you know, the case for even referral leads, which are the most ready to convert leads. But when you're like getting them from these digital channels, there's a fair bit of work involved on the sales side to be able to do things to nurture them, to, to uncover objections and to get them to a sales ready state. Um, so, so yeah, to, so the leakages, things that need to get fixed, it's it's kind of an ongoing process. Yeah, Nick, you uh, obviously have worked for Fortune 500 companies as well as startup funded technology companies. Yeah, have you experienced a similar situation, or what's the experience been? Yeah, man, everything under the sun, you know. And so she's <laughs> a, a thousand percent right. You know, I think that when we really extract back to human behavior, and if you're part of a team, if you're part of a marriage, if you're part of a relationship, a partnership. Everybody has to bring their A game. Everybody's got to bring 100%. And so to collapse the invisible line between sales and marketing um, and to really have a partnership and not a sibling rivalry, right? We've got yeah. to look at this in this in, in really in finding agreement. This is why when I was trained through HubSpot in the very, very early days, uh, and then ended up actually working with one of their executives in a startup in Boston. And so kind of really tried and true inside of that system and their methodology. And I think one of the big ideas is around creating an SLA, having a service level agreement between sales and marketing that defines when the baton gets handed off. And um, I'll tell you guys a really quick story in 30 seconds. I mean, when I was in Fortune 500, I was working for uh, the top or one of the top two companies as far as for payroll and HR services in the US paying one out of every just about 10 private sector employees, uh, managing over a billion dollars in business as far as on the product level. And I remember going to the SVP of marketing uh, when I was getting a lot of flack from the marketing team. Um, we were getting them incredible leads and it was actually, we were getting them pre-qualified through one of our wow. paper lead vendors. Yeah. And so they got used to that on tap. So they just get these leads like 125 or so a month for, for each individual team. But they were ready to convert and they would convert really wow. quick. I had a lot of automations and things set up behind the scenes to deliver those leads quickly. And so that was kind of the cream of the crop, right? That was the very high level of those. And I basically I ended up exposing $25 million, $25 million of open leads, meaning they were never changed in status and lead wow. stage, just open. $25 million. So I was loved and hated in that organization, depending on who you talk to, because I exposed what really was needed, which was accountability. 
And it's just so true in life. And I think that business is a direct mirror to life in so many ways that where we have blind spots or where we don't spot check or what goes unexpected, uh, rather inspected, um, it's typically of where you're going to find those areas of opportunity. And so, you know, sales and marketing, talk about a rivalry. It got really serious at that point because we were getting toasted inside of sales meetings with uh, high level, C-level, you know, executives of multi-billion dollar businesses going like, come on guys, we need more leads. We need more leads. And then as soon as that happened, man, I'll tell you the tide shift. It was like, it was like a sail on a sailboat whipping the opposite way with a very yeah. strong pull uh, back to accountability. And I'll tell you, here's the result of that. I was able to take three teams, three sales organizations that were about half to their performing goals to double what they were actually expected to create just by exposing that gap and exposing wow. partnership versus creating more problems. And in that scenario, all those teams excelled and we were able to get back on track, uh, but it required a service level agreement. It required to deal with what was and it required a massive amount of accountability on both sides. And um, that was a huge game changer. So yeah, a thousand percent. Uh, right. I've gone from spending a hundred bucks a day in ads to over $3 million a month in ads. Uh, wow. And this, the situation is always the same. And that's exactly where we just landed. We, we Accountability, service the, level uh, agreements, and uh, having really good processes on the we, back end. We call Blame process before the, people. The, the dormant leads, right? Or otherwise, we wrote a blog about three or four years ago, me and Chris Beale, uh, the CEO of Connect and Sell. And we wrote a blog and it was the pile of unmatched socks. Yes. The pile of unmatched socks. So and that was about the time we, we did a, a partnership with Infusionsoft because they had a very large heap of pile of unmatched socks. So right. they were spending money with an outsourced telesales company that used traditional means to call those leads. And so you can only have capacity of 30, 40, 50 dials a day and maybe an email blast to 30 or 40, 50 people a day. So they had to hire 50 of these outsourced people. We came in and said, wow. hey, what if we could do 1,000 dials a day per BDR and touch all those unmatched leads on a much more frequent basis and therefore convert at a level that you've never seen before, right? We'll right. just zip these unmatched socks around, get them to the right place and either, either confirm or deny, right? I want a zero or a one. I don't want yes. something in the middle. So let's get rid of the maybes. Um, and so now let's pivot. We've talked about phone and voice as a way to better convert these unmatched socks. At about maybe six months in, I think, to the deployment with Maxold, we brought a technology that allowed you to automate the process of responding to the leads. We call them a zero minute uh, email, right? The lead comes in, you got to email them immediately from right. the salesperson, right? Not just a marketing message, but a, a sales message. And then stay there over time where other vendors may go away and then you forget about them. And then by the way, if we could have AI power the communication track between the lead and the and Maxold, well, now nobody calls in sick. There's there's no dormant leads. There's no such thing as a dormant lead because they're being touched frequently by email and by phone. So walk us through. You know, you were one of our early customers on the AI platform for email. 
What have you learned over the last year and a half since deploying that technology? Uh, and, you know, learn, learn the same lessons as we did with the tiles, Chad. It, it um, you know, it, a couple of things. Like one, it makes, it makes, it gets our um, volumes at a significant higher um, numbers than we have ever seen before. You know, with with the with the traditional marketing campaigns or emails, um, it's a slow and painful process because you could have SDRs and BDRs all day long that just like hammers out emails one at a time. And what's the value add in that, right? So we can you know introduce a piece of technology that can that can go from you know zero to hundred like that, you know. So that's what. This new, you know, it's this new scale X email technology enabled for us. We were able to do outreach not only to our inbounds but also to uh, our partner groups in a much more efficient and scalable way, as as that's never been done before. Well, and I remember when you first turned the AI for email on, I'm, I'm scrolling through on the back end here because <laughs> I don't want to mess the numbers up. I yeah. it was so out of this earth in terms of the conversion rate to meeting right. that when our operations team met with you, we, we were like, are you sure there's, you remember what the meet, it was, it was like a thousand leads and there was open rate that was off the oh, charts. And, and meeting rates. Charts. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the unmatched socks. So we had a whole bunch of partners in our system that um, that were, you know, they were nurtured, right? Like it's not like they were not nurtured, but they were nurtured um, from a marketing perspective, not from a sales perspective. There's a subtle nuance there that took me a while to get. So when you nurture them from a sales perspective, um, it's, it's, it's a real human that's reaching out to them. And the human happens to be AI. <laughs> you know, wonderful. We, we, you know, we gave her a name. And, um, and really, it was, it was doing the same thing as a human would, except we increased the efficiency like tenfold. So we were able to get to these unmatched socks through email and, and gave it the ability to set up, to book appointments with like zero touches, you know, whereas it would have taken a fair amount of um, resources to achieve the same, but then a whole lot less efficiency. And in fact, like we had resources on it. <laughs> right but it was you know we were still uh, held with you know we still had a pile of one match socks yeah and it, yeah it, i if i remember right um you know what in fact I, I i think what i can do why don't i just uh i'll log into the back end of the platform and let me yeah. go see if i can find the actual number so right while, oh, yeah, while yeah, i'm doing a, that um yeah. What what's next, right? Where do you see the future of sales and marketing coming together and blurring that line? Obviously, you own sales marketing as the CEO. Uh, right. There's this this you know the CRO role that owns both of it. 
at what point do you think the CRO becomes important and, or, or should it, you know, or, or does the CEO own that uh, sales and marketing? You know, the CEO always have, um, you know, CEO has growth responsibilities, responsibility for top line growth. Um, and um, with, with where the company is at, because of the importance of the growth, um, we have like, and I've been leading it and I'm looking for someone like Nick <laughs> who can, who can take over that, you know, responsibility so that it can be more out on the golf course and uh, and do the kinds of things that CEOs do, which like I, you know, like I've I still need to figure, you know, maybe being a plane visiting you, Chad, and talking about strategy and world domination, um, and figuring out a way to like support the team to be to do the kinds of things that um, you know, like uh, with with all which will uh, make sure that. We we can I can start working on things that need a five ten year horizon as opposed to the quarterly and annual horizon. Yes, right. Well, you know, after Nick gets our company stood up to a level that's acceptable, we do plan to roll out a marketing agency side. So nice. rather than just offering the sales yeah. apparatus. We, we will be coming to market probably within 90 days or so with the full, the full solution that says, Perfect. let us drive yeah. leads for you on the front end and then make sure that those leads are followed up in a timely manner and convert at the highest possible level and the lowest possible cost. Beautiful. So, Maybe you may have to give us a quarter before that occurs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be amazing. There's no doubt. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, this is outstanding. Nick, what questions do you have, you know, as someone who's joined the company, you know, not that long ago, and you're mm -hmm. seeing the, the products pulled together? Um, may, maybe, Nick, could you share part of your vision? Because the next iteration of where ScaleX goes is, think about the dials, the emailing, the digital ads. What, what if... And, and we just recorded a voice uh, a voicemail this morning, in fact. What if you could have the rep pre-record a voicemail as part of the cadence? So, you know, think about it. They've just clicked on something on Facebook, and now an email goes out to them. And instead of a rep having to call them three times in that first day, or maybe they do that too, right? They try to randomly get them. But what if you could also drop a voicemail? Hey, this is Chad with ScaleX. I'm your account manager with MaxSold. Your business is very important to us. And with everything going on in the world, I'm really excited to talk with you about how we can help you move your precious goods and you know, help you with your move. Uh, you can reach me by cell phone because your business is so important to me. My phone number is 415-994-6396. Have an amazing day. Like, what if you could automate the voice drop with the emotion from a human perspective powered by AI? How would that change the workflow? <laughs> Sushi, you probably should answer that one. Um, <laughs> so I'll let you quickly, and then I'll jump into it. But how would that change the game for you? Oh, man, like, it, it's huge, right? Like, you know, we would, we would, 
you know, and that that's what it's it's the multi-channel approach, like, you know, works extremely well. You know, we know the open rates these days aren't that high, you know, at best what they are at 50, 60, 70%, right? Like, and this is for this is for an opt-in. Like if somebody says contact me, we send them an autoresponder. The open rates, even for those, aren't that high. So how else can we get in touch with them? Well, you know, we can we can try to get them on the phone. And even the the answer rate isn't that high for those either. Like, you know, how many dials does it take to get a get a hold of a person who gave you their number on the website? <laughs> right? Like it's that's also very low. So the third thing, you know, we do is we send them a text message saying that, hey, you know, like, you know, we 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 try to con we try to email you. We try to phone you. What's up? Like you know, here's that direct number. Get in touch with uh, get in touch with Nick. Here's my direct line, right? Um, and the fourth option would be absolutely. Let's let's you know it'll it'll completely change the game if we were to add the voicemail drop to the mix, and if we did a direct mail to that mix as well, saying. You know, we know where you live because we have your phone number, we have your email address, we have we we know everything. So we are going to send you a you know send you a, a you know a, like a like a book, one of Chad's books in the mail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And right. we have like what are the different like it's it's a good multi-touch approach that we know works. We have seen it work, and even if we can improve the conversion rate like one or two or three percent. It's incremental improvement that's going to compound over the years. Yes. Oh, that's incredibly well said. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think where the market is going, like if I look forward in 2020, 2021, 2022, and start projecting, um, it is the amplification of human touch without right. having human touch. And you mentioned this earlier, like AI having the ability to contextualize humanity without the push or pull from a human is a very interesting concept that is not going anywhere. Um, and so there's, you know, you can follow any of the technology experts. I like following Elon because I think he has the most uh, incredible mind in the way that he thinks. And also the delivery pattern is slow and methodical. So he really takes his time in explaining these processes and how they function without really any skin in the game because he's the one actually doing it on so many different levels. Uh, so he's not concerned uh, about the next person. He gives away quite a bit of his IP, which I think is also very interesting. But when I really look at this at the highest level, I think human connection is the thing that will supersede everything. Right. Yet at the same time, it's like we're in the 1950s with a 2050 world. Uh, as far as technology. So it's the, it's the convergence of the two. It's not either or, it's both and. And so it's high touch um, on, the, uh, on, on the technology side, but there's also high empathy and emotion on the human side. And that's the, the, the line that has to be collapsed in a sales and marketing organization is everything beneath the surface, emotionally, uh, within psychology, the, the tips and tricks and hacks and the ways to get underneath the surface, I think is really powerful, but focusing on humanity powered by AI is the way I think the entire world is going to function. And so sales and marketing has to follow the same thread. And what my goal is with Scalix is to collapse the invisible line as fast as possible to remove it from a sibling rivalry to actually operating as two arms, part of one body.
And when that can happen successfully, it just actually removes the politics and the bureaucracy out of organizations and allows the work to actually get done. And uh, again, the companies that adapt the quickest win. And so those who see this and who understand it and who are willing to invest in it are going to have just a way higher level of success and their success rate will be that much better. And those incremental wins will come quicker uh, versus being late adopters and waiting until the world adapts. So, Absolutely. Um, and yeah, oh yeah. man, so, so well said, uh, Nick, like, you know, really well articulated. Um, it's, you know, the last part, what you said, just like, you know, doing these, you know, being, getting on to these tools and technologies um, early in the game gives you a competitive advantage of having, having been there, walked this path. So even if you have competitors coming on, you know way more about like how to apply this to your business and how to scale it before anybody else comes on. So I think that's that's really the magic behind it is being an early adopter has huge advantages because you're just solving problems that people even haven't have thought about when trying to implement these things and trying to figure out how to make this work. That's huge. So, hey, look, I found it. And... Uh, it looks like when I took the screenshot, I put the mute button on. So uh, we've got a nice little overlay here. Uh, that's okay. I think you'll get the drift. Yeah. So you've lived in the technology for a while. Uh, Sushi, what did, you know, this was when we launched, right? June 9th, uh, you know, through June 16th of 2019. And in the first month, 1,872 people were approached, Right. Right. What is what is engaged and assigned mean, and is that good or or bad? What do those numbers mean to you? Yeah, no, these are these are outstanding. So engaged is if they so no, these are so engaged is if they if they replied to an email, if they asked a question, if they if they clicked on a link, you know that that signals interest. So it's not it's not just open rates. Um, and then, and then, of course, you know, assigned as if it is assigned to a sales rep. Um, so these are these are outstanding numbers. And in fact, like other than the cost of the technology, these are you know, like how many sales reps would would it have taken to create 164 appointments? Right. Well, and that's where I think this ROI quadrant is interesting because it's right. based on the normal time to write an email. You know, if you were to stopwatch someone, start and stop, this shows that in that uh, in that two month window, eight hundred man hours, people hours were saved. So, what's the right. cost of capital if it's fifteen dollars an hour or thirty dollars an hour? Time that by eight hundred hours. That's a lot of that's a lot of uh, time savings. Right. Absolutely. And and the key is you're able to use those hours into higher um, value stuff. Like, you know, you're not just paying people to, to reply to a bunch of emails. You're having, you're having them talk to engaged prospects that want to have conversations. And, and as a result, you can pay them more, right? You're not paying somebody 12, 15 bucks an hour. You're able to move to a position where you're paying them 30, 40 bucks an hour. Yeah, that's well put. Because I think there has been a fear of what happens to my resources. And 
you know, I want to maintain my department. But if we all focus on the economic value that we're creating as a business, we shouldn't right. be siloed. We need to focus on what's the revenue increase, what's the value that the business creates in the marketplace, and will there be rearrangement of hourly employees? Sure, they might move, but guess what? The people that are on the $12 to $15 an hour job, they don't actually necessarily love that job. So they'd be happy right. to move to higher value work, be trained up. And I suspect when you deployed this, you didn't have to let anyone go. You just let them do other things that were more interesting and more valuable to the business. Right. Oh, and, and they have way more satisfaction you know, with, with the conversations they are having um, than you know, like having to, having to email a bunch of females and not get any responses. It's just such a depressing <laughs> you know, thing to do. And, and not everybody's cut out for that, right? Like, you know, yes. so we are, we are, yeah. So last question for you is that there's been a lot of technologies like sales engagement software where you can buy, hey, here's a $100 a month product. Let's just give it to everybody. And they can pull the knobs and levers. Um, what I'm feeling when you have people like me and Nick and a team of sales and marketing ops in the cloud where we can bring the data, the digital, the dials, every single aspect of the deployment of this kind of high velocity, do you think there's going to be a move from buying a $100 license and doing it yourself to a, you know what, it's gotten so sophisticated that I'd rather outsource some of this work to a done-for-you model? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Or do you think companies will still maintain and run it internally? No, I mean, like, Chad, like, you know, having you on board um, is, has been a bit of a, has, a, has been, like, huge for, for us because, you add so much more value than giving than giving a piece of technology, right? Like, you know, like you can, you know, the tech stack and Nick, you're probably seeing the whole the diagram with the number of technology pieces. And I think it's like over, like I wouldn't be exaggerating if I said there is a hundred thousand SaaS tools out there. You got like, want to send email? You got like 10,000 SaaS tools. Want to do chat? You have like you know five thousand chat chat bots and chat chat this chat that they all have its different you know own like a little twist and flavor to it, and there are so many SaaS tools. So by working with somebody like you, you know we you know the the advantage has been, um, you know you're working with the best of the breed. You have somebody that cuts through the, all that noise and says, "Here's here's something we have tried, tested this." And we are we are giving you a solution, not another piece of technology that's that you're going to use for a month and drop and not giving you not going to give you you know the results you're looking for, because you know really like companies are trying to buy results, right? They're trying to buy revenue, and they don't buy revenue by having another hundred dollars a month piece of SaaS tool. Yeah, I love it. And then when one technology sunsets, the beautiful thing of not working with an OEM provider is, you know, that like, think about great tools. Yes, we're in Tout App. Yeah. Tout App was bought okay. by Marketo. Marketo was bought by Adobe. That tool is now part of a bigger solution. Um, 
now, and then there was sales loft and outreach. And then, you know, at some point, those technologies will become the 10-year outdated technology. So I think my view of ScaleX is that we are not tethered to one technology or the other. Uh, we're, we're much like a value-added reseller with hardware, only we do it in a software fashion. Now, as technologies become interesting for the long haul, we'll certainly bring them into the ScaleX fold and purchase and acquire and roll them up. But right. we can also test and try new things. So yeah. with that in mind, there's a tool we wanted to leave you with today to check out because I know you like to tinker with new things. Check out the tool. I suspect you've never heard of it. It's called Hyperize. Yeah. H-Y-P-E-R-I-S-E dot I-O. And imagine a world when if I come to Maxold website, it says, hey, Chad, welcome to the site. ScaleX is really kicking butt out there. Congratulations. And maybe a YouTube video is playing and somebody's holding an image. And it's got me on the image in the YouTube video. Wow, cool. Imagine an email that gets sent out, a social connection, total personalization at scale for 99 bucks a month. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> I suspect sure. that will give you another 2 to 3% conversion rating. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's all about increasing that. And, and, I, and I want to leave you with you know, the, the, the benefit of um, having somebody like you, Chad, is, is not only are you, are you calling the thousands of tools out there, but you're also being that strategic consultant. Like if something isn't working, you're like, you know, like, have you thought of this? Like, have you done you know, like the soft commitment thing was totally your idea, right? You're like, well, you know, I tell you, here's a problem that we have. We are getting all sorts of appointments being booked, but Chad, like none of these are resulting in sales. Chad, I can't, like, renew, okay. I can't renew with that. <laughs> no, yeah, I can't, you know, so you're like, well, let me talk to, let me, you know, let, can I talk to your sales guy? Let me give him some coaching. Here are the other things you could do. So I think that's, you know, that to us is extremely valuable. Right. Well, I th- I would say one million dollars valuable because it sounds like you've got a soft commitment for a million dollar deal with four million in upside. So, you know, right. I I only charge five percent commission on those million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, completely. Wow. So well, hey, it's really been yeah. a pleasure talking with you today, Sushi Nick. I'm glad you've joined the business. Obviously, we've got. Uh, big things to deliver for companies like Maxold. Mm-hmm. And we really, really appreciate your business, Sushi. And I wish you the best of luck as the economy gets back online. If you're listening to this and you need to do a move, the biggest value proposition for Maxold, if you're not aware, let's say you're moving from a 4,000 square foot house, you, your parents, your friends, your neighbors, and you're downsizing to a 1,000 square foot house how are you going to sell all the stuff that's inside of your house? Well, Maxold can come to your house, inventory every single item in your house down to the vitamin water. That might be a joke because I probably <laughs> wouldn't want to sell a used drink. But literally the cleaning supplies under your sink, they can inventory and they can help you move within days instead of weeks so that you can sell your house more effectively and maximize the value of everything. So if you have people that are retiring, moving to a smaller house, you're selling, you're moving to the mountains, 
I suspect there's going to be a lot of changes in the world post-COVID where people say, I want to move to Montana or maybe I want to move down to Belize or something like that. Maxold is the company that can help you do that in an effective way. So, Good ad, yeah, from the, from, the, from, the, from the sponge under the sink to the Ferrari in the driveway. We sell it all in two weeks. We sell it all in two weeks. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, that's uh, that's, uh, that's uh, Chris Beal who gave me that line. <laughs> that's outstanding. All right, everybody. It's been great to have you on the show today. Tushi, thank you for your time. Nick, great to see you. I love the white background there. It's uh, You're like an angel. Oh, yeah. Very heavenly. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. All right. All right, everybody. We are out. Thank you.